I'm Kara, and this is my husband, David. We've been married a few years and have a sweet baby girl named Everly. Before we were married, we actually both went through divorces. It wasn't something either of us wanted, but when we took a step back, we actually learned a lot about ourselves and relationships. Fast forward a few years, and now we find ourselves married to each other and with a commitment to keep a happy, healthy marriage. But we aren't doing it alone, and we want to share with you what we learned and how it's working for us. We hope that through our experience, you can learn and enrich your relationships. We're glad to have you join us In In Pursuit Pursuit of Love. Love. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 16 of the In Pursuit of Love podcast. My name's Kara, and I'm here with my husband, David. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. In this episode, we want to talk about how changes affect our relationship and how we learned to adapt, specifically when we had a baby and how becoming parents really changed our relationship, changed us, and how we learned to work together and adapt through that because, I mean, really everything changed. Well, it's funny because if you're not paying attention to these changes, it's really easy for for it to creep up and for that tension to kind of creep into your relationship and then all of a sudden you find yourself being on edge with each other and oftentimes it's it can go back to those little things that have changed or even the big things that change right big change little change yeah it's all difficult and we face change all the time every day things change whether they're big or small but how you adapt to these changes can either bring you closer or push you away like you were saying it can be just those little changes over time if you don't adapt well to them that can really take a toll on your relationship in the long run and push that connection away. Yeah, like like what you do is either going to bring you closer together, it's going to connect you or disconnect you. Like those are the only two options. There is no in between. And that's what we want to talk about today, how we have learned to adapt and hopefully you can learn a few things as well. And so the real question is, why do we struggle so much with change as humans? I have I've never coped well with change since I was a little kid for, I mean, until now I just, I don't do, I don't do well when things change. I mean, I cried every day of kindergarten. Anytime my schedule was changed in school, it just sent me through a tailspin. Wait, hold on. Like in high school when your schedule changed or when you were younger? Well, no, but here's the thing. So my dad was a, a guidance counselor when I was in high school. And so he literally changed my schedule to whatever I want. And I, he would go through and he would help me. I would say, oh, yeah, I want my friends in this class. And so he would put my friends in my class. So high school was a breeze for me. <laughs> well, you're, he's lucky he's retired or else he would have just lost his job for <laughs> nah, really nepotism. They <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they all did it for their kids. So it wasn't anything. You good. know what's funny about that? When I was in high school or even beginning in junior high, when, when my older sister told me, like, you know, you can, Marissa, she said, you know, you can change your schedule. I'm like, What? <laughs> And so from that moment on, I was constantly always trying to change my classes so that I would either get the easier teacher. You know how people would say, oh, that teacher is easier, that teacher. It's I was always constantly trying to change my schedule to have the the best possible schedule. Oh, my goodness. Well, and changes, it's not always a bad change. I mean, we think about change as negative, but sometimes things are are good when they're changing. Even, I mean, like going to college, that was – you know, theoretically a good change. I loved college. I wish I could go back all the time. It was just so fun. But 
I mean, I, oh yeah, it was horrible. Like even almost that whole first year, I really struggled just with changing and adapting to it. And I think as I've learned to understand myself more, and we talked about this in in one episode of the podcast and we'll link it below is understanding like our basic needs as humans. And one of my top ones is survival. And so people who have a high need for survival really they struggle with change. They don't do well when things are kind of out of order because there's just less security, I think, for me. is I, I have a lot of security in the normal. Even – and that's what – like when I talk about going to college, yes, like I knew it was a good change, but even just like letting go of those little things that were changing was hard, even though I knew it was good. Well, and I think a part of that too is we don't do well as humans for the most part because I'm sure someone listening is going to disagree with this, but – we don't do well with things that are unknown or with uncertainty. We really don't, right? That's why we we try to save money. That's why we try to plan ahead for everything. That's why we try to be intentional about our lives because we don't like uncertainty. And I think that's part of what last year was so difficult for us was we don't know when everything is going to be normal. And, and it is. Change is difficult because of the unknown. But like you said, there are some changes that are good. For instance... If we won the lottery tomorrow, I think it's up to like 700 something million dollars. Did you buy a ticket? No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever purchased a lottery ticket. But the thing is, if we win $700 million, it's going to make some things a whole lot easier. Like, listen, I'm okay with that change in my life. Like, sure, you're going to have to give money to all your friends and family, but you still have a bunch left over. So change isn't so much what's difficult. It's the loss that we experience when things change. So I wonder when you went to college, as fun and as great as an experience it was, and even some of your friends were there, but it was a couple hours away from your home. Right. And so even though you could probably just drive home to your parents, it still it still felt far. Right. Whereas before you came home after school every day because that was home, that was your security, that was your safety. And then all of a sudden when that even though it was still there, it was just further away. Right. You felt that maybe. And I think it's that loss of predictability because everything was so new, like completely new people that I was around, completely new environment, you know, everything like new routines, just getting used to even just the independence. So everything about it was new. And so it's it's all of those new rhythms that you have to learn and you don't have that predictability anymore. And, and I think the other thing I th- that makes change so difficult is that it raises the anxiety in our lives. Like whether you, you or whoever is listening suffers from anxiety or clinical anxiety, we all feel like anxious at different times and change kind of has a way of raising that heat in our lives because then we do begin to see, Oh, whoa, like everything is different. Like when we moved here to Illinois, like, yeah, we have GPS, Right. I still Mm -hmm. use GPS all the time whenever I need to go places because it's still pretty new. But it was you don't know where everything is and you have to Google everything. And that does raise that kind of makes it a makes our lives a little bit. What is the word? Disequilibrious. I don't think that's a real word. (laughs) Disequilibrium. (laughs) That is. I don't know. Disequilibrium is a word. Anyway. But it does. it, It shifts everything in your life when you don't know where everything is. But what, what ends up happening over time is like now we have our certain places that we know how to get to, right? Like even getting to my job was hard initially, and I had to use GPS for weeks before I could figure out how to get there. 
but that I think that's what change does. It does make you anxious. It makes you like a little more on edge because you're having to use all of your like energy, your thoughts, your emotions to try to temper some of that anxiety that happens. Well, and I think it's the, the fear of the unknown. You know, we don't really, when things change, you don't really know what's coming. Well, I think the danger too with anxiety is I'm thinking about this. We try to, we try to control it within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what ends up happening is you forget, Hey, you're in a relationship with someone else and you have different levels of worry of anxiety when you're going through some of these changes. And if you're not paying attention to the other person's like feelings and their energy, like you may alienate them and disconnect. And that's what we always say, like the more disconnecting you do in a relationship, the more it's going to feel like your relationship is doomed. Yeah, I think you really hit it on the head right there because it is that feeling of being out of control, like not not knowing what's coming, all that fear. Yeah. And just not knowing how to deal with that. Like you just have to kind of learn to to trust yourself, trust what's going on around you and just and just go with it. And I think, you know, being in a relationship can help with change, you know, can kind of help you cope with those things if you lean into it and do it the right way. Because like you said, when, when we are anxious, when we have fears, our first instinct is to disconnect. We do those things, you know, we're, we're quicker to get angry. We're quicker to, you know, blame people and nag and do all of those things that kind of push each other away when really we're just like begging to be like have that security and have that connection, but we don't always get there. Yeah. And I think the reason we do that is because it's like every, every person for himself, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when, when things go bad, you're just trying <laughs> to, you're just trying to survive. <laughs> you're just trying to make sure that you get to a, a place of peace in your own life. And sometimes you forget your partner, <laughs> like right. you leave them behind because you're too busy trying to tread water and get your head above water. But that's what change does. That's why it's so difficult. And even if it is like good changes, right? Like moving for a job that's going to be a better job that ends up being awesome, but there's still that change that happens in the process before you really adapt to the new life that you're being called to. And you know, it's funny, one of the things you said is the reason that change is hard, the uncertainty is because we don't have control. But like, we really don't have that much control in our lives. I mean, we control our thoughts or actions. Like we do control a lot, but all the external stuff is so out of our control that even even thinking we're in control has this false sense of security. And that's why I think for couples to to cope and to adapt well with change is almost learning to be comfortable in uncomfortable circumstances. Ooh, that's good. Right? Like stay fluid, stay right. agile, stay patient right and and give each other compassion and the benefit of the doubt right so you you learn to be more pliable Mm -hmm. emotionally pliable so that when change happens because it happens all the time um, you're able to work together am i I skipping to like well yeah no that's fine (laughs) because it makes me think of how like we get stuck in and even just day to day of like, no, it needs to be this certain way. Like even just changing little things like that, you know, like, okay, this is the way that I'm comfortable with it. And so this is the way that it has to be. This is the way I know. And so, and yeah, and in a relationship, you you can't always have it just your way because there's two of you doing those things. And so, you, like you said, you have to be fluid and agile. Those are good words. I'm sure I read them in a book somewhere. <laughs> well, I'm okay. I'm 100% positive I read those in a book somewhere. <laughs> that's okay. I still I like that imagery. 
I like just it being with that. So what, what would you give us if you had to give us like a grade on how we dealt with the change of having a baby? So I think there's three parts. Okay. There's three grades. My grade, your grade, and our grade no, together. No, no, no. <laughs> Expecting for the child. So the preparation, mm-hmm. I feel like we were at an eight or nine. Like We talked about it. We talked about what kind of parents we want to be. We talked about how we were going to react and because remember when we when we told all of our friends and family that that you were pregnant, everyone was happy for us. Right. But what were some of the things that people started saying? Like I had a friend tell me this. I don't know if I ever told you this. I told him we were pregnant, and well, not we. I told him you were pregnant that <laughs> we were expecting. And when he and then when the baby was finally born, you know, he texted me. I, I texted him. I said, "Hey, you know, the baby's finally here. Her name's Everly. Finally, um, she came early. Well, no, I know, but after the nine oh. months." And he just texts back. He never qualified. This is all he said. He says, welcome to the long day, <laughs> which would make sense later. Right. You know, but it is. You, you, we heard all these negative things, right? Sleep now because when the baby comes, you're not going to sleep anymore. What else would they say? I don't know. Yeah, it was everything was just, oh, like, are you ready for this? Like if you see a kid who's throwing a tantrum, they'd be like, oh, this is about to be you. You're going to have to deal with this or you know, or just like, oh, you, you'll never be able to go anywhere by yourself. I don't know why I'm using that. Like, but silly because voice. that's like that negative, <laughs> because that's what it feels like when people are telling you, right. it's like, listen, there is this miracle of life. That's this, this bundle of joy, but all anyone can really tell you is all the negative. Right. Things. That's exactly what they go to is everything negative. It's about to change. But some of the, some of my better friends who are wiser and older, they would say some of the Hey, yeah, there's going to be times where it's hard. He goes, but the the good times about being a parent are going to far outweigh even the most difficult times. So just enjoy it. Like expect, and they would say things like just expect things to not be perfect, but if you can give them love and enjoy it, like it's going to be better. And these are, these are friends of mine who have, are, their kids are older now, but have seemed to be well adjusted to life because it was, it's, you just be present to those moments. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Well, and I think a lot of times it's those people who um, are, are giving you all this negative stuff. If you look, they have more than one kid. So it's like, okay, well, it can't be that bad because you went back and did it again. <laughs> <Right>. So like <laughs> if it was so horrible, why did you do it again? And I know this is not a parenting podcast and this is not about, um, you know, talking about kids, but I can see why people have multiple kids because when you feel the love and the joy that you feel with a little baby like ours, mm-hmm. like, how can you not want to duplicate that or triplicate that? But anyway, back to the original question, how do we deal with change? Mm-hmm. I think initially before the baby was born, we were like at an eight or a nine because we desi- because we talked about how we wanted to be. Right. And I think maybe where you were going with this, when we, were, we would hear all of those negative things, we would talk about it and say, okay, we are not going to get stuck in all of this negative stuff like yes we like we just prepared ourselves like okay sure it's gonna be hard we know that but we're gonna enjoy it and so we really went in with this mindset and and the thing about having a baby is you can prepare you know that change is coming not all changes you can prepare for Mm -hmm. but when you can prepare for change the mindset that you have is really important yes do you want to hear my score for the second part okay, when the sure. baby was born? Yes. I felt like when our daughter was born, 
we how we adapted to change was like a four or a three. Really? Well, because it's our first child, so there's mm-hmm. so many unknowns. And when we're at the hospital, you have nurses coming in all the time. And remember, I would ask, hey, how do you swaddle her again? Because I couldn't seem to get it right. And and they were always there. Anything you needed. Our, we had a great hospital experience. Like We were very, very blessed and lucky to be where we were. But remember when we came home and we walked into the house. And re- remember, they were going to let us stay one more night at the hospital. Right. And we said, no, let's just go home because we wanted to be home in our right. own home. And the moment we walked in, I said... Oh, we should have stayed one more night because now it was just the two of us. And I right. felt, and what I mean by like a low, like a three or a four is just for me, my anxiety raised up because it's like, what if I don't know what to do when the baby keeps crying? There's just so much. So for me, it was just all of that unknown. But I think once we kind of settled in and talked a little bit more about that, I feel like our, how we adapted was, was much better. And I think one of those reasons was because we're constantly talking about these changes that are happening and and even what is bringing it up within us but also like how do we want to tackle some of this like how do we want to adapt to some of these changes so that we're still in love (laughs) so that our marriage still flourishes so that we still like each other right well and it's funny that you say that because i would have given us a higher score because i feel like we were able to talk about those things which i don't think has been typical of me in my changes in life. You know, I, I think I typically do go to that, that negative side, like this can never be good again. Oh my goodness. I don't know what I'm doing. Everything is out of control. And I kind of get into that tailspin and, you know, like I don't see any way out. And I think that I guess maybe having you there is like a counterbalance. Cause I, I feel like one thing that we do well is if one of us freaks out, the other one doesn't. And even if, like you said, there is a lot of anxiety, like even if you're feeling that it's, you see the other person kind of verbalizing that and talking about it. And so then you kind of jump into, okay, so I'm going to be the one that brings us down. I feel like we're good at like taking turns about that. Yeah. And I think we, we freak out about different things, which is so weird, but like sometimes the things that I would expect you to freak out about you're chill and I'm the one that freaks out about it and vice versa. And it's I feel like there's this been yeah. this like reversal of how Because we, you didn't sleep for no, like the days. first Yeah, you would But just, it wasn't it was because I, I kept watching the baby to make sure that she was breathing. I know. And I was out. You were out. <laughs> <laughs> like as soon as my head hit the pillow. As soon as she was asleep and in the bed, I was out. And I would just like <laughs> lean over her crib or her little bassinet all night and just keep watching. I could not, I could not sleep. I know. I, that shocked me that you were like that. I know. It was hard. Baby number two, whenever, whenever baby number two comes, I think I'll be, <laughs> I think I'll be a lot better with, with that. But I think one of the things that is important that you were mentioning, it is having that open channel of communication with each other and, and being willing for the, the person who's not freaking out right to hold that space because it's really easy for for instance for one of us to send a text and be freaking out or worried about something and it's easy for the other person to be like just get over it it's fine because you might not be worried about it but if you do that you're you're shutting off communication and you're not creating this holding space for your spouse (laughs) to be to to be vulnerable and then what ends up happening and i think carrie you've said this a bunch of times is that when you communicate with each other and the other person lets you say what you need to and 
and you're holding space for these conversations, you're actually creating more trust with each other. And, and when you cut off communication, trust is going to, it's going to suffer. And again, ultimately when that happens, resentment creeps up, disconnection happens. But if you're able to hold that, and I know it's hard. And like, I know today you text me and you were like frustrated about something. And I remember in the moment I was, I was having a, I haven't even talked to you about this yet. Uh, welcome to couples therapy, everyone. <laughs> but I was extremely stressed today at work, right? We were training someone. Mm-hmm. I was, I was handling an emergency that came up all while trying to respond to text messages and voicemails. I had, I mean, it was an extremely stressful day. It was one of those days where like, you know, if, if you guys were in the room, you know, you put your hands up to your mm-hmm. head, like it was bad. I haven't even told you this. And then you text me that. And a part of me was wanted to just say, like, it's fine. Just get over it, yeah. whatever. But I stopped myself because I thought to myself, that's how I may, that's what I may want to say right now. Mm-hmm. And it may make me feel good for half a second, but then I'm going to feel terrible because you already know how I am and I'm going to be apologetic, but I'm, but it, it'll already the be too late. Be done. Yeah. I would have right. hurt you. So I, th- I thought to myself, well, if she's having a frustrating day, then the the worst thing I can do is add to it. And so, yeah, I had to kind of go back to that balance in my own kind of life. And and so so I was better able to hold space for you mm-hmm. in that moment. And then ultimately, like when I, by the time I got home, you were fine. Well, and yeah, but you did. I could tell you had a very good response in what you were saying. And I, I knew I knew what you were doing. And but it 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 did it. It. I probably should have approached it differently because I came at it very negatively. And I think what we do a lot is if somebody comes at something negative, the other person matches it. And and it does. It takes skill and thought to when somebody comes at something negative to, to then flip it to the positive. But the first person who's able to do that, it really does help to diffuse the situation because anytime – you know, we're talking to each other. It's always giving information. And even if it's negative, sometimes it, you, I mean, this is getting into a little tangent, but it's like looking to what's underneath, like, you know, what was I really saying? And you were really able to tap into that with your response. And so I appreciated that. But, but can I tell you, and, and doing this podcast has helped me to really process some of this stuff because last, last week we talked about how to make your spouse a soulmate. Mm-hmm. And and we talked a little bit, if you guys haven't listened to that, we encourage you to listen. But we talked about how, how we sometimes treat our friends better than our spouses. Mm-hmm. And in the moment today, I thought to myself, like, how would I treat one of my friends? I wouldn't snap at them. I wouldn't say, I would be like, hey, you know, hey, it's going to mm-hmm. be okay or whatever number mm-hmm. of things that we tell people. But I thought to myself, like, if you're having a stressful day, like I want to be the person that helps to make it right. a better day, right? right? Because you're my best friend. Right. You're, as we said last week, you're we're soulmates to each other. You have to really listen to it before you <laughs> before you turn this podcast off and be like, oh no, it's one of those podcasts. But but it was like I wanted to be because I know that you do that for me, and it is. It's easier to just text back something like snappy, but it's just gonna make things worse. And and I think part of dealing with change and and part of that is uncertainty and the anxiety and frustrations in a normal rhythm of a day is remembering like, no, we're, we're here on the same team for each other. And I think when we reach out, like if you see those things as, okay, this is, they are reaching out for assurance and support and things like that. Because even if you're reaching out in negativity, you know, and and you're expressing anger, frustration, 
if you can start to shift and see, okay, like they're really reaching out and without saying it, they're telling me what they're afraid of. And they're asking me to support because we do that as people. We, we bring up and we, we approach it in a negative way because there's still like a little bit of safety there because it's, it's a lot easier to say, I am so frustrated at this than to get more vulnerable and say, you know, like I, this is like my big fear, you know, whatever it is. And so a lot of times we, we keep people at a distance when we have those big fears and change does bring out a lot of fear. And I remember coming to you one time and saying like, I feel like she's bonded to you better. And it wasn't a like, like I wasn't angry at you. And I kept saying like, I'm so glad that she's bonded so well with you, but I do feel like she's bonded better to you. Like, I feel like you can comfort her better. And we were really just able to, to talk about it. And you were able to, like you said, hold that space for me instead of saying and shutting me down and saying, no, of course she loves you. You're her mom, whatever, you know, like we were able to have those conversations and, and then, and then after that, it's like, we're able to better support each other. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really about validating the person's feelings and emotions and what they're going through in that time, because you're going to need it at some point too. And I think this is one of the things I like how you always say is like, sometimes one partner is going to have it more together than the other. So sometimes you're going to be the one that has to be that steady anchor in the relationship because sometimes it's going to be the opposite. And the more that you do that for each other, then you do continue to create that trust, that vulnerability, that feeling of safety with the relationship. So when changes do come, then you start saying like, hey, we got this. We've been through so many changes in our lives. This is just one more thing that's going to bring us closer together. And if you have that positive mindset, it is going to bring you closer together. But if you're like, oh, no, this is terrible. All this is bad. It's going to drive you further apart and your marriage is going to suffer. So yeah, being vulnerable, being honest and realizing, hey, we're on the same team goes a really long way when it comes to adapting to change. The third score that I would give oh, us. Oh yeah, I can't wait to hear this. When it comes to adapting, I think we're at about a an 8. No, wait. So what is the what is the third score? The third score is after the baby came, after it um changed everything in our lives, literally everything overnight. It's not an it, it's a she. <laughs> I guess I'm thinking the baby. Oh. <laughs> I love you, Everly, if you ever listen to this at some point in the future. Which, but when the baby arrived, should we start over? Okay. When the baby arrived, it did change everything. Right. It, it changed. I mean, Carrie, you've just been saying how I didn't sleep all night. I had to even change to opposite sides of the bed. Mm -hmm. I did sleep as soon as we would get her up to change her diaper. And then I would hand her over to you and I knew you were holding her because you were going to feed her. I would knock out because I knew, okay, like an adult, a human is holding her so now I can sleep. Or when you, your, your mom was with us for oh, yeah. five weeks and yeah. so in the mornings we would give her Oh, I know. That her. was so good. I remember. <laughs> we would just sleep for like two hours. She would, I would, you know, I would look at the clock every time she woke up and I would be okay, the next time that she wakes up is the time that I can hand her off. <laughs> so, I know. Your mom was so amazing. Like get there. It was Which so amazing to have her there. It's a good point to make about change is the support that you have around you. I mean, yes, in a marriage, you can use your spouse for support, but also those other people that are, you know, able to, to really support you. And, and not just when it comes to having a child, but sometimes it's your friends who 
you need to just vent to sometimes when um, you know, because maybe they've gone through stuff or just friends that you've had for a long time. And, and like so advice, it is advice, seeking advice. That's yeah. Good, and yeah. so you, you have to, you have to have that system of support, but yeah, our, I would say our third score is about an eight only because I don't want to sound like an overachiever, but the only reason isn't because we're the most amazing parents or we're good at change. But I think it's some of these things that we've been talking about today where it is, you know, learning how to practice all of these little things so that we can create this space in our relationship where we are talking, we do have this open communication, we are expressing how we're feeling. And by doing so, we're able to come to a solution better rather than just isolating ourselves from each other and and just worrying about ourselves. And so that's why I would say, I mean, I think we're constantly learning. Our daughter is, I mean, she's constantly changing. I mean, from one day to the next, she does crazy stuff. And I know. So, I mean, this is a, a lifelong process of change. And if you resist it, I don't want to say you're going to fail, but if you resist change, you're just going to try to control everything and you're going to create a horrible environment. But if you get a little more comfortable with it and you're pliable, you're going to have more fun in the process. Right. And I think an important part of that too is to make sure that you're self, self-caring <laughs> practicing self-care yes <laughs> i guess it's a verb <laughs> you've been hanging um, out with me too much probably but just to i mean we always say that to have a happy and healthy relationship it starts with a happy healthy individual and that is true for all points of your life and your relationship is when big changes happen to make sure that you are making sure that you are taking care of yourself yeah that you're filling your cup and it's different for everyone i know for me if i'm not doing my morning devotionals or i'm not exercising it throws everything out of balance for Mm -hmm. me what is it for you i think for me it is reading a lot helps me and yeah i mean doing things like yoga which i have not done in a long time I saw the mat out there, though. So I know. <laughs> that's one step closer to, to to doing that again. Right. And I think that is something that's when when changes are happening, whether it's having a kid or any other type of thing, that a lot of times we neglect those things because change throws us off our rhythm. Things seem out of control. And so we lose those things that ground us. You know, we think like everything's too crazy. I don't have time for that right now. And I think that is something for sure that this change of parenthood kind of threw at me a lot was I would say, I don't have time for that. I can't do that. I mean, even just like cleaning and taking a shower. I mean, those are probably like, honestly, I think that's the most self-caring, self-caring thing I do right now is taking a shower. And I've learned how to do that with a kid that does not like to be at all separated from me. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't take her into the shower just for clarification. Well, yeah. We we have a little thing that we put her in. I don't know what it's called. I don't know. Like a bouncy thing. Jump and play activity thing. Oh, and something that I just thought about when you were saying that is when things are changing constantly and things are out of your control, then you control what you can control. And that's what self-care does. It gives you that baseline rhythm of what you need in your life. And and I think it changes in different seasons of our lives. I think it changes um, as we grow, 
as we change ourselves as humans. And so as long as you're clear about what those things are for you and you know what they are, like you don't have to go out and start this three hour morning ritual, like just do one thing that brings you more inner peace, you know, do that and you'll begin to see how it does bring you more peace. You know, even if it's just breathing, Mm -hmm. like paying attention to your breathing. But I think the last thing that we can do is we start to try to adapt to change. Um, Like when you're going through things and you're in the middle of it and the anxiety is high and you're worried and all these other things, sometimes what you have to do is what's called getting on the balcony. So if if you can picture your life as the dance floor where everything is happening, you know, moment to moment, if you can remove yourself from that and get up on the balcony and really get a clear perspective of what you're going through, chances are the majority of us are going to experience a lot of similar things. So part of the perspective that sometimes helps when you get up on that balcony, get that bird's eye view, is realizing, okay, we're not the first people to go through this. We're not the last people to go through this. So let's find those ways that have helped other people go through what we're going through. And so sometimes just removing yourself from the from the moment of the situation and get a clearer perspective actually might be able to give you more confidence and really bring more joy into your life because you begin to realize, oh, so we're going through this thing, but we know that there's help or we know that so-and-so went through this. So maybe they can walk us through or, or even finding like a couple that you trust, maybe someone older, right? I don't know, that can in some ways mentor you. And then you begin to realize, then you're, you're more invigorated. You have more energy because you begin to think like, okay, this, this isn't going to be the end of us. This is just a thing we're going to get through. And every time you adapt to one change, it, it builds your resilience. So when the next thing comes your way, you begin to think like, well, we've done this many times before, so we're going to get through this one too. Oh, and here's what we've learned along the way. Here's what helps us. So we're going to be able to overcome this. And I think one way that we did that, what did you call it? Getting on the balcony Mm -hmm. was, I mean, specific to parenting was we would say, okay, if this was our second kid, what would we do? (laughs) (laughs) Because everybody says, and we, I mean, we can see the truth in that is, you know, your second time around you won't worry about this or you won't think this. And so we would say, okay, if this was our second kid, what would we do right now? And I think that we kind of tried to pull back on certain things or we would ask each other, like, is it, you know, should we be freaking out about this? Are we being, you know, paranoid or, I mean, I think the hardest thing for us, especially in those first few days was she had acid reflux so bad and it was so hard to watch. And it was just, it was just hard hard all around because she was in pain. We didn't know what to do. I don't know how many times we went to the doctor, but, and we, so we would check in with each other a lot when those things were really stressful and really emotional and hard. And I mean, we would say, okay, like, how are you doing? Like, and then we would ask those questions like, is, is this a big deal? And we always said, yes. Okay. Yes. We agree that this is a big deal. And then, you know, those things, okay. If this was our second kid, yeah, it would still be a big deal. And then we would come and decide together, like, okay, this is how we're going to go forward. Even even if it meant uh, having a game plan for when we went to the doctor so that we would force <laughs> them to give her some acid reflux medicine. Luckily, we got a good doctor that time. Yeah. And we got some coaching from my big sister. <laughs> Do not leave there without that medicine. <laughs> but how it just makes me sad thinking about how she had to go through that for so long up until she was what six seven months no oh spitting we were here we were here and she was yeah she was but we got the medicine at like six weeks yeah was it that 
Yeah, because it was like right after my mom left. And a part of that checking in, you know, we talked to other people that had similar circumstances. Like my my older sister was one of them. And we heard a couple other people tell us like, yeah, our kid went through that. And I mean, they their kids went through it worse than some of those stories we heard than, mm-hmm. than our daughter. But they would all say, but it, it went away. Like one day they just stopped and, and it was around like six months because of the way their bodies develop. And so we kept reminding ourselves and that's part of getting that bigger perspective. It's like, okay, this isn't going to be forever. Uh, she'll probably never remember this because their memories, maybe they don't form that young. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, so don't <laughs> quote me on any of that. But, but we know that the, the suffering that we thought she was going through, she's not going to remember that. And then we kept telling ourselves, this isn't forever, so let's just keep being patient. Let's keep doing everything that we can control. So you still have to control everything you can, knowing that things are going to get better. And then I do, I think once we moved to Illinois, I felt like it just kind of stopped. Like there was once or twice here and there. Uh, it was for a little bit, because I'm pretty sure she spit up on some of our fr- oh, yeah. <laughs> friends at church. But then it, it stopped. Long. Right. And and it's funny because we were still left with that. Oh, do we have a burp, uh, a burp clock yeah, with us? Like constantly having a bit and we didn't and need it anymore. Yeah. And then we didn't need it anymore. But that helped us to really formulate how we even want to be with each other when those difficult things do happen as parents. And I think it's important that when you're going through changes, you see these as opportunities to grow closer together. You see these as ways to learn to navigate some of these uncertainties in your life, knowing that. Um, you're going to be brought closer together and your marriage is going to be even better. But if you go in with that mindset, you can have a more positive experience, right? Some changes are just going to be painful and hard. But if you go in with a negative mindset, it's going to be harder to work towards. And I think it's important to continue to trust your spouse and to trust their instincts. And I think that was something that we dealt with a lot as things would change when she would stay up all night crying or different things like that. And it, it did come down to like, okay, well, what do you think? And we really learned to value what the other person thought, because sometimes I feel like you would come up with ideas and I would say that is never going to work. Like walking around with her in a car seat, I would say that's ridiculous, but go ahead and do it, wear your arms out. And then it worked. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> and so we kind of had to, to learn to to trust each other and to say and, and it, it I don't know I feel like it was harder for me maybe like letting go of control I think as a person who I am and then too just as a mom just like letting go of having all of that control because it I it was I had to remember that our relationship is more important than being right or having things just the way that I want it and it was learning to say I do trust you and you are able to make good decisions and working together through that. And I like that. And I don't know if maybe we can end with that about whenever you're going through changes and when things are going good in your relationship, continue to build that trust because that's what's going to get you through those, those difficult moments. That's what's going to get you through the change. If you know, Hey, I can trust my wife. I can trust my husband. I, I know that we are going to be in this together and they're not going to, just peace out when things get difficult. So the more trust you can build, the more reservoir of trust, the more manageable some of the changes in your life are going to be so that you're able to have that that happy marriage. And it comes from that turning into each other. When you're going through those difficult changes or good changes or when things seem out of control, it's looking to each other 
and turning towards each other instead of pushing away, trying to do it on your own, trying to build those little fences and, and make sure everything is just the way that you want it, but instead turning toward each other, being vulnerable and being empathetic for each other. So if you're going through some changes right now, we want to encourage you to just keep turning towards each other, keep creating that that environment of trust and of love and of patience and compassion and know that you can get through this and it's only going to make your relationship stronger. Thanks for listening to the In Pursuit of Love podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you know someone that might benefit from our conversation, we'd love for you to share it with them. We'll see you next time as we continue to journey in pursuit pursuit of of love. love.